Okay, three, two, one. All right. Um, hey, bro, how are you doing? Doing well. Happy to be here. Cool. So welcome to the second episode of The Art of Freehood. Uh, I'm here with Base Bra, and um, we had an interesting conversation the other day. Two completely different mornings, and this is what kind of spurred me to, um, to get him on the podcast, uh, because while... Base bra had a very based morning surfing. Um, I was nursing a hangover. Uh, very foolish. Won't be doing that again. And uh, he was like, "Well, Helmer, I could have uh, I could have told you some some breath work to deal with your hangover." And I was like, "Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been really nice." But yeah. Um, yeah. So after that, we had a long conversation about breath work in general and lots of other based stuff. And that's why, you know, I wanted you on so we could continue that conversation and, um, and other people could hear about it because it really inspired me listening to it. It was really, really epic, something that I now am intent on doing myself, which I've never done before. So it's going to be great. Um, so in that regard, before we get on to hangover cures for breathwork, uh, you could, why don't you just tell me like your background with it and um how you get how and why you got into it yeah absolutely and yeah thanks for having me on but funny enough i was also nursing a hangover that morning but had a very different morning than you do to the breath work but no i'm happy to get into that i mean i think that my i mean my background is a basically a life lifelong athlete at a pretty high level and that has always made the focal point performance and optimization and mentality and all of the things that go with that and trying to get the most out of yourself, out of your spirit and out of your, your physical body. And so breath work is an intersection of all of those things, your, your soul, your spirit, your physical body, your mental space. And I got into it actually a bit later in my athletic career. I'm, I was a ski racer, a uh, cross-country ski racer. And it was about, I had, or, I had already gotten to college ski racing by the time that I really doubled down on breath work purely for performance and purely for the for the recovery and then the the ability to supercharge myself right before a race and i mean with cross country skiing breath work breathing is so integral to your performance you have to breathe well you have to time your breathing you have to have strong a strong diaphragm know know how to breathe uh at certain points in the race too you got to breathe differently when you're going up a hill than when you're going down a hill, for example. So what I would do was the night before a race, I would go outside in the dark. <laughs> it sounds crazy to say this now, but I would put a bathing suit on and lay in the snow and do the Wim Hof method breathing, which is essentially longer inhales than exhales. And 
then there are some breath holds uh, associated with it. We can get into that later, but I would go in the snow and just pancake flip-flop for 15 minutes Wim Hofing. And my races the next day were insane. I, my legs felt like they never got heavy. Um, I wouldn't feel that wouldn't feel the hills in races the next day. I would do that the night before. And then at the start line, um, what I would try to do is just load up on oxygen. So I wouldn't do any breath holding, but I would do five minutes of essentially hyperventilating right before the start. Um, and it's tough because I'm in, I was in temperatures where sometimes it was below freezing and I'm in this little fucking skinny skin tight suit that has no warmth whatsoever. So you're trying to stay warm, which means you got to keep moving. Um, and if you're moving, you're not really accumulating a lot of oxygen. You're kind of in a, a state of flux. Actually, one interesting tangent is Huberman on a podcast said that if, if, if doctors were to test your physical body when you were in a workout, in the middle of a workout, they would be like, this person's dying. This person's about to die. Like something seriously, seriously wrong with this person, which just goes to show the spectrum of physiological states you can be in. And so, so the idea behind that is what you're putting your body under an abnormal degree of stress when you're exercising. Mm. And that simulates like on the, at least on the surface, like your body is dying, but actually the body has extreme stress resistance. And the more you yes. put it under that, the better it becomes. Totally. Extreme stress resilience, the ability to be in a state of extreme, extreme stress and then the ability to be in a state of extreme rest. And the breath is just a lever to take you to the state you want to be in. And I didn't discover that until a bit later. So I was using this initially just for performance. If I can load up and have a, have a alkaline state in my body, because I have so much oxygen for the first 30 seconds of a race even, when my races were decided with 0.5 seconds between wow. between the top 15, top 30, um, that's a huge, huge difference. Humongous advantage. I didn't tell anyone about it on my team. I didn't tell anyone about it that I was competing against because it was a really powerful, potent weapon. So what like you would do it before you started this sort of hyperventilation, like consuming as much oxygen as possible, mm. um, storing, let's say storing molecule, mm -hmm. as much oxygen as possible. And that was critical. Like you sort of won the race in that first 30 seconds or something in terms of. Yeah. In a, in a way, in a way, yes. I mean, with cross country skiing, some races are 50 kilometers and last two and a half hours of just pure physical torment that then it doesn't matter then the 30 seconds in the beginning doesn't matter. Um, but when the races are two minutes long, like in the sprints, which is what my forte was, um, a sprint race would be anywhere from two to four minutes. If you can gain, uh, you know, if you, have, if you don't feel pain for the first 30 seconds and your competitors do, then 
then that's just, you know, I, I can't even quantify probably how much time I saved through. And it wasn't, a, it was a controlled hyperventilation. It was essentially the Wim Hof breathing where I'm getting a ton of oxygen in and then blowing out CO2. Um, and, you know, I'm running around, I'm doing sprints, I'm doing jumps, I'm staying warm, but then, then you have to get in line to the start gate and you stand there freezing your ass off. And I mean, my competitors probably thought I was like very nervous or something. Cause I'm like breathing really hard right before the race. But, um, no, it was, it was, it was super powerful. And that was just the beginning for me. Um, I suppose. Yeah. yeah I remember you, you saying, yeah, I remember you saying that, uh, you had quite a significant injury mm -hmm. and this, at this point it became more than just performance like the breathwork, the purpose of the breathwork um, superseded mm -hmm. simply performance and became more of like something else entirely. You want to go into that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is something that's that I, I, I tell this story to as many people as I can because sometimes the, the light switch flicks on and my few years through my college skiing career i basically ate shit mountain biking split my shin open hurt my foot really bad had a huge bundle of scar tissue under my foot that was inexplicable no one knew how to get rid of it no one was really able to diagnose it with anything in particular six months down the line of me hopelessly you know grasping at straws, trying to train still, but not being able to walk properly. And I'm talking like 20 hours a week in a pool training only my upper body. Cause I'm like, how I can't not ski. I have to six months in a doctor says that, you know, my career is essentially over. I may walk in a year without pain. Um, diagnosed me with what's called a plantar fibroma, which doesn't really have a known cause or a known process of rehabilitation. So, you know, I wallowed for a couple weeks and that was dark. It's difficult when your entire identity is wrapped up in this sport. Um, and I then, you know, was like okay i i had actually <laughs> i had actually like dislocated my fucking shoulder or rib sorry my rib swimming so much um and doing so many pull-ups and just all upper body for 6 months that i was i couldn't do shit i was like i can't even i can't even train now i'm completely immobile i'm completely paralyzed within this body that is when I turned back to the breath and I was spurred on by my brother who was meditating and, and this kind of thing. And I was meditating with him as well. And, but there was no breath work component. And I just found meditation to be very difficult at that point in my life. Like I couldn't sit there and just empty my mind, but I, I started Wim Hofing again, just cause I had always enjoyed that. Um, and 
the breath was something for me to cling on to mentally during those 20 minutes. That allowed me to not have dark, negative, intrusive thoughts come in. Um, and I started going down the rabbit hole more and more on breath. I read James Nestor's book on breath. I read the Wim Hof Method book. I started listening to all the podcasts with all these breathwork facilitators, learning about it. And, and I was just like on a streak of doing the breathwork every day. And I was like, I don't want to break this streak. I'm going to stay on this fucking streak. Um, because it was, it was the only thing that brought me relief mentally, spiritually, physically. And I started, I did the Wim Hof course and that's sort of when things really started falling into place. Like, okay, fuck these doctors that are telling me this, but they don't even really know what it is. Fuck this situation in general. I'm done with the victim mindset. I'm not letting life happen to me. And see, like, let's see what we can do here. What is possible? The barriers of possibility were starting to fall down and crumble before me. And so I was able to, I just started running with it. And by running with it, <clears throat> I would wake up 30 minutes earlier than when I would normally wake up. Whether that be if I had to get up at 7 I get up at 6.30 and just do 30 minutes of breathing on my back, um, listening to like literally the Wim Hof Method play playlist on Spotify. Not guided or anything, because I kind of ingrained the, the procedure. And I started just playing with it. A big part of Wim's philosophy is just go with your feeling. Breathe with, with some structure and in the beginning, but ultimately, you got to listen to your body, you got to get in touch with your body and your own energy patterns and where you are at mentally, physically, spiritually, if you want to then start architecting your the what's within and what's without. That's so, so that was the beginning for me. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's incredible. Uh, especially one thing you said, which was when you you'd basically, you were sick and you had enough of like this victim mentality. Mm. And that's something that Napoleon Hill wrote about in Outwitting the Devil. I don't know if you've ever read this book, but mm. um, he talks about this concept of the other self. And this is where <clears throat> the other self, this sort of, uh, this higher self comes out when the will to, to succeed overcomes like the pain of of like your perceived failure, mm. and it, you, for me it happened as well. But it, it it's always like sometimes it happens even day to day. Like maybe I'm having a particularly stressful day, and the feeling of feeling helpless helpless annoys me so much that it pushes me past it, mm. and I'm like fuck this, fuck this bullshit. What what the fuck am I doing? I've done this. That's mm -hmm. like enough for me often. I'm like, all right, recalibrate everything. And, mm. uh, and Napoleon Hill described this as like this other self uh, that, that we like get in touch with. It kind of like is extracted out of us. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. I have uh, not read that book, but that reminds me what you just said of the way of the superior man, David Data. He has a chapter on how as a man, you have to find your edge. 
And I think that he actually leaves this out, but like your edge should be fucking painful. You, you need to find that breaking, almost breaking point. And the breaking point should be painful. It should spur action and be a catalyst for change. Yeah. That, that pain is, is worse than the uncertainty of what might, what, what you're, say you've, you're anxious about something coming up. Say you've got a job interview. So you've got like whatever it is, um, and we sort of experience this pain based on based on this anxiety. And for me, it's like this switch happens, and I'm like, I don't care about the uncertainty. I just this this feeling now is bullshit. So I'm going to move past this the the pain that I'm experiencing now through like so being something an anxiety or the future, and just accepting that I'll have the tools for what I need to do when I when I'm there doing it mm-hmm. um, and i'm angry mm-hmm. enough about feeling this bullshit uh, feeling right now that i'm just gonna throw it away and just and just go in yeah and i was angry enough and in enough pain and convicted in my aspiration to will myself back to health that i was i healed myself in three months with this breath work and i was back on back on full training, back walking, running. Um, you know, I wasn't 100%, but the doctor said I would be done, donezo. And he said I wouldn't be walking without pain for a year. And that proved to me that, I mean, A, modern medicine has its place and it is very useful and it's it's got, it it has its utility, but They don't look at the physical body as a system, usually, and they also are not taking into account the patient's ability to to heal themselves through ways that are usually completely cheap or cost zero dollars yeah. whatsoever. Um, like so he was never this, looking at it like that. It's like we've got this. We have this eternal homeostatic um, system that if nurtured will constantly try and like pretty much always effect, uh, achieve that balance or that recovery. Um, but if mm-hmm. doctors reduce everything to their component parts and they don't treat it like a system that's connected entirely, everything is connected to everything else, um, then they'll be treating one, one thing which actually interrupts our body's natural homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And so you, you treat a problem and it's like whack-a-mole and other problems uh, like comes up and you have to treat that one and then the next one. So right. you, so you basically, you, through breath work, you healed what was a career ending injury in three yes. months. Yep. I That's blew incredible. that shit the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I had the bundle of scar tissue that I would visualize breaking down like little miners in my foot chipping away at this dark red blob and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things that came along with the with the breath work that I was doing um but one of them is definitely the visualization component where you're visualizing and it can be on an inhale, but 
a white light, a white blue light coming into your body. And I would imagine this, this was in my right foot. I was able to get my right foot to be a lot warmer than my left foot through this process. And that's just a product of having the mental intention while you're breathing, inhaling strength, exhaling weakness, inhaling a bright blue light that eviscerates the dark red blob in your foot. There's, there's many components that go along with this, but more than anything, it's, it's making what is an unconscious process, you're breathing right now unconsciously, bring consciousness to that. And it's the razor's edge between all of these automatic processes, unconscious processes in your body, your heart rate, your, your, your breathing rate, your heart rate, your, you name it. There's a lot of deep reptilian brain processes that we are completely unaware of thousands going on in this very instant cells, regenerating, reincarnating, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the conscious processes where then, you make a breath conscious. Well, what is that doing to the entire system? It's not just the breath you're changing, it's the entire body. And you bring that consciousness to a process in your body, like the active healing process going on in my foot at the time. And I just accelerate that. And I reinforce that mentally with will, sheer willpower. The breath is just an absolute manifestation of willpower of the body it's amazing and the breath is i mean it makes sense so we have all these dormant unconscious processes going on in our body uh, that keep us alive um and even the breath for most people is completely unconscious as well like they they go through their day and they, they don't <laughs> you know i consider this for me like sometimes i'll suddenly realize i haven't taken a proper breath in like 30 seconds I'm like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so <laughs> you're essentially it's saying... Supposed to be, it's supposed to be unconscious too. I mean... <laughs> yeah, sure. But if you bring it and you make it conscious, then you can affect these other unconscious processes as well. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of make them conscious as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a very deeply spiritual concept. The idea of spiritual development is to make... The unconscious conscious um, <clears throat> it's like Steiner talks about this like if you were to ask Rudolf Steiner like what is the purpose of life he would tell you something like uh, to leave the spirit only to return to it but you have to return to it consciously meaning that there are all these there are all these faculties that we have which um, if we don't make conscious we then, we don't learn anything more about ourselves back in the spirit. So it's like this, you know, it, it, a lot of people think if you, if you were to die, you'd suddenly be omniscient, like God is. Mm. But it, uh, at least according to Steiner and Anthroposophy, it doesn't really quite work like that. Like you can only accrue knowledge of your spirit self whilst you do it in the physical world. And the, the means of doing that is by making what is unconscious, conscious. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we leave only to return consciously. Like, that's the whole purpose of it. Right. I like that. So it's kind of, it's a kind of spiritual twist, but, it, you know, the, fractally it's similar. Like, you have all these unconscious processes in the body, 
mm. through the breath, we can make them conscious. Oh, absolutely. I think that along that vein, I would be doing, and it still happens to me, I'll do breath work and we're sitting on a mountain of subconscious information and knowledge and beliefs. These things will come out, come to the surface and be released through the breath work, through just breathing consciously. It's a way of moving things that may, and, and your, your body's very intelligent. It, it often knows when something is not serving you. And so I would have many times where I would have self-limiting beliefs come to the surface while I'm breathing. And I'm consciously like, oh, that's, that's complete nonsense. And I breathe it out and it's over. And it's no longer part of my programming. And I think that that was a huge part of, I mean, if you can, for me, that's changed my programming, but you could also talk about like Wim Hof, his, his wife killed herself. And he was depressed and he was, you know, of course, in a very, very dark place. You're, you're, I think this cold water immersion with the breath work that he was doing allowed for the release of trauma and, and just these, these adhesions of negativity that had imprinted on his soul that he was, would have been unable to get rid of and would have carried for the rest of his life had he not provided some, some a solvent, a lubricant to get it out. I mean, it was um, like the Jungian shadow, kind of this idea that the shadow needs to be approached and integrated. Mm. And I can imagine that um, through the breath work, maybe a lot of these shadows come up. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, ta the, the Jungian, Jungian shadow, the false self, the, the roommate in your head, whatever you want to call it. You, you're like a warrior, dra a dragon slayer with, with a fucking sword when you're, when you're actively breathing. In my opinion, it is an absolute weapon against these negative forces that protrude, intrude, and make your life and reality something that you don't want. I mean how there, there there's a there's there's ways of course mentally to approach these things to me i find it a multiplier to approach it through a physical and mental and spiritual you know do a three-pronged approach at this shadow self and you want to integrate real real beliefs and and eradicate the darkness from your soul Doing it with breath is, is programming it in a much more intense way, in my opinion. Um, that, also, everyone's different, and for me, that's just the way that it has been. Any analogy that springs to mind is like, okay, everyone can intellectually conceive of like your, your shadow, your mental um, issues or whatever, the, these limiting beliefs. And so we can think about them and then we can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, limiting beliefs. But, um, but then there's something missing and often we fall back into that, those learned helplessness or this little pit of despair. Whereas through the breath, you're like, it seems like there's something separate that you're then focusing on. And 
it allows these things to come up without you even looking at them. They just, mm-hmm. they just sort of turn up in front of you and then you have this process by where you can kind of like, like you said, with the sword, you just cut them down. But it's tethered to something that you're doing physically, this breath work. So you don't just get lost in the mental sort of uh, intellectualizing of these, of these problems. You're actually like defeating them with your physiology. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, you when you're when you're breathing, you have and when you get good at breathing and you start understanding sort of the energetic patterns going on. This energetic pattern is a it's a circle. So you're circulating it, you're circulating it and you can release it because of that. Whereas if you have a negative thought come to mind and someone, someone, let's say has a negative thought come to mind and their energy channels are blocked or they're closed, their hearts closed. Um, you just catch it like a spider web and you just hold on to it or, you know, you're aware of it, you see it, but but people then stew in it and they're not able to like, they're like, how do I become happier? How do I not feel this way? Well, usually people feel better when they go and work out. That's something in motion. I think that we need to be in motion. You need to have your, your body in motion, your mind in motion, but also these, these spiritual energy patterns in motion circulating um, because things can get stuck in there. It's not as simple as just like, you know, pulling off a Band-Aid. Things get very stuck and integrated into you, and it takes time to chip away, but it can be done. It's very powerful. And the component of um, of imagining and, like, so the intention, like you said, you had these little miners in your foot, like, chipping away at the scar tissue or whatever. You know, what springs yeah. to mind is you can imagine like a certain limiting belief or whatever. You can imagine like a thorn that's deep inside of your like tissue or skin. And then through breath, you're pushing this thorn out, further out, further mm. out, it pops out. These mental imagination techniques, they seem to be a really integral part of this as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Absolutely. It's... The, the visualization is extremely, extremely powerful. I think if you're pairing visualization with breath work, that's, that's some profound stuff right there. I've had some crazy experiences, um, even like I was discussing with you the other day, but in my Uber to the nightclub, I'm doing a meditation where I'm breathing, sinking my breath with this Taurus energetic field, visualizing the Taurus surrounding me, creating a literal force field of energy around me in the Uber. And then I walk into the bar and I had never really done that before, but I walk in and big, big six foot five dudes are like unconsciously moving out of my way as I'm walking (laughs) towards them, not even looking at me, just like moving out of my way. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, oh, interesting. You know, it's, it's, that's what aura is. That's your energetic electromagnetic frequency. And if you can, that's the other thing with the breath work is not only can you eradicate these negative things, but you can enhance and multiply these positive things. You can have incredible creative 
profound thoughts bubble to the surface, um, epiphanies come out of nowhere that change your life and come from, I think, you know, call it God, call it source, whatever. I'm sure your followers have a wide range of beliefs and that's, that's just, uh, another facet that it's not all about getting rid of the bad and healing from an injury, but it's also about, and we talk about the limitlessness of this and of the human spirit and of the physical body. Well, how many neurons can you proliferate through the breath work? How much smarter, how much can, can how many points can you increase your IQ? That's what I've been doing recently. Too. No, there's, really? there's, okay. there's very interesting aspects that when you set your intention, like I need to be, my memory needs to be better. And you can frame it in a more positive way, of course, but that that's going to tell your body. And so I guess getting into the breath work, I know I'm riffing for a while right now, but you know, when you're, when you're doing the Wim Hof method, let's say, which is really just a derivative, a Tumo, Tumo is the original one where they're out in Tibet and they're put out in the snowy mountains at night and they have a wet towel put over them and they have to evaporate the water off of the towel through this breath work through creating that much heat so that's that's one aspect of the wim hof that's the hyperventilation exaggerated breaths let's call it side of things is there, then a, diet, do, is there a diaphragmatic aspect to that like uh, your stomach like you sort of sucking in or breathing out or um i mean more breathing belly breathing belly, chest, and head. Um, there are different yogic breath work modalities that involve creating a lot of heat and pumping and, and having your intercostal mus muscles and abdominal muscles in a certain way. That is something that I'm really just delving into now. I haven't overthought it, and I think that it's better if people don't overthink it in the beginning. Just fucking breathe. Just fucking breathe into your belly and do 30 to 50 breaths. I usually, my practice is like 50 breaths of inhales longer than exhales, followed by an exhale hold. During that exhale hold, I'll go for pretty much as long as I can. I mean, my every cell in my body will be screaming the song of a thousand suns. It's so painful. <laughs> and then what's that? what that's doing is tapping into my fight or flight response. And it's tapping into the strength within us all that's responsible for when a mom is picking a car off of her child, for example. Yeah. Strength that is inexplicable to modern science. They're like, how the fuck did she do that? Well, she did it and it's within us. And when you're, when you're tapping into that adrenaline is a big component of that and norepinephrine, which is just adrenaline in the brain you're tapping into your, your body's like, holy shit, what's going on right now? What is happening? But why is there so much CO2? Um, because you have the levels of oxygen, your, your oxygen's very high. After you do 50 breaths, that allows your CO2 levels to rise to a level that normally it wouldn't rise to. So I suppose I don't, I don't want to, be confusing right now but if you can increase your ceiling of oxygen you can increase your ceiling of co2 and get to a level 
that a mother would be at if her child was pinned under her car, for example. Except you're sitting there relaxed. And what that allows you to do is, is be in control of, of where that energy goes. That's where making the unconscious conscious, you set your mental intention. I'm, I need to heal my foot. So you and send, I mean, visually you're sending light to your foot, let's say. But visually, the, yeah. But the physiological processes is what you're sending ATP or? Well, I'm sending ATP. I'm sending my, my uh, I mean, there's, there's a multitude of chemical reactions and healing metabolites and enzymes and, and resources. I just think of them as resources because yeah, you have yeah. a pharmacy within. So it's, it's not just ATP energy, but you know, it's a, it's a lot of things. And, and some of them are going to be used to rebuild and some are going to be used to flush out toxins and scar tissue and free radicals. And so I just think of it as resources. And what I would do is during that, you know, two minute long exhale hold, become become very very aware of the foot really feeling the foot my awareness body awareness of just the foot as much as possible feel just focus on it not even visualize any light or minors or anything just how long can i concentrate and think of my foot and my specific pain point of the injury and your body's smart your body's going to be like, oh, I see what we're doing here. We need to go to the foot. We need to send resources down there. And, or focus on my third eye. Focus on my prefrontal cortex because I'm trying to get, you know, Albert, Albert Einstein in this bunch. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that. And then, and then you do an inhale hold for like 15 seconds. And that's a, another good time to set your, set your intention again or that's usually when I have a lot of crazy epiphanies. That's when you can use physical energy practices, physical, uh, not energy practices, just, just physical movements to move cerebrospinal fluid up into the pineal gland, release DMT. That's where a lot of people end up passing out. That's where I've passed out like three times doing it. But that's that's another tangent. But my point is, you're tapping into a very, very primal reptilian brain, very powerful part of your your body um, that most people don't tap into. It gives you an insane edge in so many ways because you can use it for so many different things. And, and we're talking about right now, we're only talking about fight or flight. We're only talking about adrenaline, mom lifting a car off of a, you know, there's the other side of the coin, which is how, how, well can you recover how low can your heart rate get how rested can you become how much consciousness can you accumulate in one place because you're so collected and so in a rest and digest state so there's that aspect too yeah there seems to be because of this sort of like limitless attitudes to it where scientists don't really know what we're working with here and mm. um there seems to be a lot of play to it. Like you said, you just you just did a little breathing exercise in the Uber. 
then you went to the club and you were like fucking gold man and everyone's <laughs> like whoa look at this guy <laughs> and um but like yeah it's, it's you're just straight vibing really and uh it that's a really cool aspect as well because it's something that everyone can just decide all right well give this a try mm-hmm. through the breath see see what happens there seems to be a really playful um, yeah. later, which overcomes like meditation for a lot of people, which does not seem playful. It seems like a chore for a lot of people. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and it, it seems like a, this is a quite a valuable perspective shift. Yeah, I mean, I I urge people to see this as a journey and don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. You're breathing every day, anyways. Just try to once a day change it a little. Once a day, exaggerate your breaths for 30 breaths. Or once a day, you know, breathe as little as possible for one minute, for 30 seconds. Hold your breath for, you know, whatever. Like people, I think the barrier is they think they have to do 30 minutes every single morning for three months straight to get the benefits of it. And that's just not true. I think that a whole new world can open up to people when they get in touch with their breath. People go from being an automatic where there's drive and there's neutral and there's reverse to being a stick shift, a manual. It's like, okay, well, I got a big business meeting coming up. I'm going to shift up to fifth and then I'm going to shift down to third so that I'm like very collected, but I have a lot of energy and I'm very fresh. And I walk into the business meeting and I, you know, take scalps. Yeah. Or I can't fucking fall asleep. So I'm going to shift down to one and just fucking, you know, I'm in trailer mode and parasympathetic and boom, then you're sleeping. Yeah. There's this aspect of mastery to it as well. It's like, uh, how far can you take it? And, um, and I think this is a great way for people to overcome boredom as well. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're waiting at a bus stop because you've got you've to gotta wait for something. All right, let's see what, <laughs> we can, see what we can do with the breath in this meantime instead of staring at your phone and, and, and doom scrolling. You just, you just return to the breath instead. And so, like, uh, I, I can imagine. You know, I don't have experience in this, but I'm really excited to, to start doing it. I can imagine, yeah, you, you kind of you stop drifting and you can overcome these little periods of, of boredom um, by just returning to the breath. Totally. A, a state change is always exciting. A physiological, mental, spiritual state change induced by your own consciousness with your own breath is always at the very least something to do. You can always change your state into a different one that is better suited for your reality for the conversation you're about to have for the night for the date you're about to go on you're you're usually especially in this day and age bombarded by external factors inducing stress or accumulating fatigue you know you go out drinking with business partners three nights in a row and monday morning you feel like shit well now you have the invincibility aspect you are completely sovereign within your body completely invincible in your health you don't need modern medicine 
you feel that you can overcome everything. And that is the power that I want to keep spreading to. I've spread it to as many people as possible. I, I'm excited because of this podcast. Um, because I think that's a big thing that people are missing in their lives is, is something goes wrong. They're like, oh, fuck, I got to call my doctor. Uh, I got to look it up online. Oh, I got to get this medicine. Uh, I got to go buy the supplement. We have a pharmacy within. And it's a pharmacy on fucking steroids. It's a pharmacy that's congruently paired with the power of your consciousness and your human spirit. Yeah. And those two together can overcome cancer. It can overcome Parkinson's. It can overcome... I don't know of anything at the moment that they're like, this can't be solved. They just did a study with the Wim Hof breathing where you, the alkalinity of your blood essentially pulverizes cancer cells. And I'm pretty certain that those subjects were probably not even that deep into the consciousness, mental intention side of things. They're just doing the dots on the paper, do 30 breaths, do an exhale hold, do an inhale hold, do 30 breaths. Okay, do that, but then introduce visualization and conscious intention and consistency in the practice and cold water and sauna and when you're doing it exercising and when you're doing it in a hyperbaric chamber and you're doing like there are so many things to accentuate accelerate and restore the physical body with the breath work yeah so for you because you're an athlete um i, I suppose you didn't have too much difficult difficulty with the breath work and being able to concentrate on something else as well. Because um, I could imagine, you know, if, say, someone wants to upregulate whatever um, and they're having a conversation, you know, like I've been now trying to do this breath work while well, possibly talking. Uh, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> breath work, just, just actually consciously breathing rather than not, rather than unconsciously breathing. Um, mm. And so far, it's been all right. I've been able to focus on you, listen to everything you're saying, whilst also focusing on uh, my breath and my diaphragm, belly going out and in and stuff like that. But I can imagine that can be quite difficult for people. Um, um, is there anything you would say to, to help with that? The concentration aspect is something that I think the modern man is really struggling with. Modern, modern humans are just hemorrhaging concept, the ability to concentrate as we are bombarded with technology and stimuli. To your point, you're trying to consciously breathe right now. With consistent practice, people have been consistently breathing their whole lives incorrectly, usually. Mouth breathing at night, short clenched breathing all day long at a computer as you go on this journey and practice breathing you're ingraining muscle memory it's the same thing as learning how to swing a golf club or a baseball bat or do a proper squat or do a proper bench press I had a coach back in the day that told me that it took about eight hours for your muscle memory to become ingrained with a certain movement. 
I don't know the validity of that, but you're breathing 24 hours a day. Um, if you can do, you know, five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day of conscious breathing, and it doesn't have to be a 30 minute stint. You do, you know, consciously breathe on a walk for 15 minutes every other day. This is ingraining muscle memory to the point where then right now you're probably consciously taking long, slow, smooth breaths. That can be come ingrained. The, the hunched over, bad posture, short, shallow breathing can be eradicated on command. It becomes automatically proper, automatically as if you were consciously breathing. So I'm consciously breathing, but I'm not consciously breathing. It's as if I am, but I'm not. And my body is in absolute equilibrium and homeostasis because of that. Um, in James Nestor's book, he says that the optimal breath for a human being is five and a half seconds in, five and a half seconds out. And the firemen from 9-11 had all this tar and all this shit in their lungs. And they did this five and a half in, five and a half out for, I believe it was four weeks. And they got some huge percentage of shit out of their lungs just through this. And like it's cough, not anything. Coughing up stuff? Or... Coughing up shit. But, but just doing that for 10 minutes a day, I think it was. Honestly, it was something super, t it was like I was blown away. So if people can just do that even on their deck while they're sitting in their coffee, think six in, six out, relaxed. I, I do six in, six out, but five and a half, five and a half, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, there, your body's really, really good at healing itself and you can abuse the shit out of your body, but it's a lot better to abuse the shit out of your body. And then every other moment of the day, be properly breathing and be, be able to, and this goes to the hangover thing. I mean, talk about. Talk about like something powerful. <laughs> I mean, there's no better hangover cure in my opinion whatsoever. And if you are able to take the fight or flight response, adrenaline response, and set a mental intention of clear out all the inflammation in my body, and you do that breath work, and maybe you do a cold shower, I mean, I'm unstoppable. Anyone can be unstoppable. You, you don't need to, you know, be hung over for a day you really don't ever <laughs> and, and that's exciting to me i i want to give people the keys to the castle because it's uh it's a lot easier than people think too people think it's these methodologies and these regiments and these routines and all these like a b c d e it's it's a lot more simple than that it can be as simple as just five and a half in five and a half out i think that's really important breaking it down to like just just try try your own version of it don't mm -hmm. get bogged down in the weeds of like the only results will be if i do this strict regimen mm -hmm. you know okay yeah and this this is sort of comes back to this kind of human optimizer kind of mindset that has been catching and nothing against human but like the way people take it that you know because it can be studied and you can see that like mm -hmm. this amount of milliseconds more of this or whatever 
will produce a percentage difference, blah, blah, blah. And people get bogged down in this idea that it needs mm. to be like this scientifically rigorous element to it. But I, I think mm-hmm. that, and then that's self-defeating for a lot of people. Yeah. It seems to me a it's better approach is what you're saying. The biggest thing I think that get, people get tripped up on is like, oh, I have to be in the ice bath for 11 minutes a week as per Huberman. Otherwise, it's all for naught. It's like, no, just get in the fucking ice bath every day even if it's for five seconds at first just breathe five times consciously every day the thing that gets lost on people is they get tripped up in the weeds and then they don't stay consistent with these things so they'll try a proper thing once as per the scientific quantified blah 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 and then they'll forget all the like oh i forgot how to do this it's like no just you know how to breathe just do it consciously every day, but do it. You got to do it every day. You got to do it every day. And most people can't do that. And that's the problem. And that's the major separator. And it's never been easier to run laps on people in 2023 throughout human history, probably because everyone here can't concentrate because they're bombarded with their cell phone crap and they can't stay consistent with anything they can't have a routine they can't write down something on a sticky note on their computer and stick to it and and you know there's a lot of reasons for that but to become supernatural you just have to consciously breathe once a day for like three months in my opinion and it could be as simple as taking 10 really conscious breaths every day because the everyday part is what gets lost yeah you have to sustain it's like this idea that we can we can be the architect of our own realities as well. Um, mm. You know, through through attitude. You know, I I think we had this conversation on the phone, and I'm quite a proponent of this idea that the external reality is reflecting our internal state, <clears throat> essentially mm. uh, emotional state, but also intentional state as well. So, and that's a, a mental internal state, but also a physiological internal state. Let's add the mm. breath work into that. But it has to be sustained. You know, you can't just be like, all right, I've got this really good, don't give a fuck attitude. Any barriers in my way, they're all just molehills, none of them are mountains. And I'm just going to train right, like run a train right through them. Um, yeah, that's easy to maintain when, when you're feeling great. You know, but mm-hmm. you have to be able to maintain it when you're not feeling great. And then that's when that's when you have this sort of um, uh, irrational attitude to it. But you have to you have to embrace that irrationality and stick with it. Uh, maybe partnering it with the breath is going to help that a lot because it, you have this anchor. Um, mm. And but I've personally found in my own life that uh, through embracing that irrationality and having the intention, let's say that everything I do and everything around me, even if on the surface doesn't appear to be good, is good. Like I can spin spin a positivity. Sorry. Uh, uh, phone just rang. And I can spin a, <laughs> spin a positivity onto it that uh, that changes it, basically. And, mm. <clears throat> and But it must be maintained and sustained. So the consistency part is the important not yeah. the details. The details don't really matter, providing you're consistent. Yeah, concentration and consistency are so key. And it's one thing to do 
I talk to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I've heard of Wim Hof. I've done his breath work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and did you like it? Did it work? What would it? And they're like, it was amazing. I'm like, do you still do it? They're like, no. I'm like, why? And I don't, I don't know why. And I can't speak to them at all. But, you know, concentration and consistency is their major, major keys. And I think that the breath is a cheat code. It's an anchor. It's a direct line back to your Tao, back to your centered place of knowing. Everything, you know, you go through the full pantheon of emotions every single day as a man and a woman in today, in this day and age. You're going to be sad. You're going to be happy. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be blah, 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 blah. Um, when things get really extreme and something drastic really happens, I've had drastic things happen and I just go to the breath. I just start fucking breathing hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm so stressed out. I start just holding my breath. I mean, there's, to me, that is the anchor. That is the direct line to, to me, to, to, to a place of safety and a place of acceptance. It, it can ultimately lead me to that place of acceptance and, I've been working on that a lot recently and it, my life has just gotten way better. I mean, every manifestation book ever written can be boiled down to believe you have already received what you are wishing for at the moment. Believe you have already received it. And so what I've been doing is like on my inhale, when I'm meditating, I will be saying I effortlessly attract abundance and love. So I'm bringing it in. I feel it bringing it in. It all can placebo in a positive feedback loop. And then on the exhale, I exude love and abundance at all times. And those are the two mantras. One's on an inhale, one's on an exhale. I'm exuding something. I'm attracting another thing. And I don't, it's not just working on a physiological level. It's working on a much deeper level. It's working on many levels. And that is very cool to me. The uh, the right wing bodybuilders have become hippies. What is happening? No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I can, exactly. I, I completely agree with you, though. I do it as well. Like I'll I'll walk around, you know. I'll go out into the sun, you know, to, as soon as I wake up, and I'll be like, "Oh, this vitamin D is making me gonna gonna help me." I basically positively charge everything in the in the world around me to, sort of towards me. I get in the cold swimming pool. Um, like this cold water is also going to help me. This is going to, and maybe I'll make something. Oh, this is going to turn like my help me lose uh, a bit of bit of fat or something. Um, mm. And I think, oh, these these eggs are going to help me. And I just go around and constantly like say to all these things that I'm doing. Oh, this is going to help me. This is going to help me. You know, and um, right, yeah, and I and it works as well. Like. You know, I've been through some very dramatic things in my life, and and um, this change of mindset brings a whole new perspective. Each day, then, is different. Like the monotony doesn't catch up with you, even though you might be following a strict routine, which then would seem monotonous. If you approach it consciously, it it sort of doesn't. It changes, it. Um, and yeah. And sort of you know, this uh, this pipeline from right wing bodybuilder to uh, flower girl is 
converting something. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a good point, though. It's like there's, I think people write off breath work because it kind of gets grouped in with this spirituality and this meditation and, you know, t tarot cards and all the stuff. And, and I think that that's a bit of mistake. It is, it can be viewed as a simple tool. And this tool, if used, will inevitably lead you to deeper levels of yourself, deeper level, deeper levels of spirituality. It is a vehicle of making the unconscious conscious. And I don't care if you're right wing or, you know, some left, I don't care what you are. It's going to resonate with you if you are consistent with it. And if you concentrate on it, people just have to kind of maybe get past that and, and, and not think that it's something used by hippies to, um, you know, that there's, the, there's a lot of, there's the culture online is very interesting. It's very showy. It's very flashy. It's very money driven in a lot of way. There, there's ego, there's, it's, it's a lot of flashing colors and it's a lot of, you know, empty bullets, but underneath it all, it's, it's the most powerful lever you can pull in your body and in your life. And I just think that, uh, the more people I've, I've given this information to so many people that like have cancer that are struggling with massive injuries that, that are just wrecking havoc on their mind and they're depressed and all this shit. And it gives them their power back. And that's just so important in this day and age because you're told you have to rely on modern medicine and you have to rely on, you know, government can, the, the fiat currency and the government to take care of you and keep you safe and all this stuff. It's like, it is as right wing as you could get in some ways. It's as sovereign as shit. It's, it decentralizes everything away from you. And now suddenly you are the node of power. It's amazing. Yeah, and I'm excited to. I had quite a severe knee injury um, in December. Uh, like, I had a motorcycle accident. And, like, I'm like you, I was I was pretty high level athlete until the age of 25. Um, and then stopped playing sport, but, but kept on going to the gym and exercising. And, you know, but I didn't play any competitive sport after that. Um, but then I had this. And I've never injured my knees before. Um, and I, I'm proud to say my, when I was playing football, I was called the hammer because my left, my left, uh, my left <laughs> boot was just fucking hard as nails. Like I kicked the ball very, very hard. Um, and then I destroyed my knee in December in a motorcycle accident. Uh, and yeah, it's not quite the same. I'm getting knee pains now. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to to dealing with this through the breath. Um, but beyond that, beyond like the recovery, can you tell me something about um, this, this idea of using the breath to shoot cerebrospinal fluid up your, up your spine? Oh yeah. I call it getting butthole high, but that's not very <laughs> scientific. Um, I, uh, I mean, there's many different ways of doing it, actually. 
And I think there are more effective ways of doing it than the way that I've been doing it, quite frankly. I'm not an expert, but I will say that you have to be very fucking careful because I've passed out. I passed out standing up, gotten into the shower doing it. I passed out um, just sitting down doing it. I passed out on a bench doing it and concussed myself for two months and then healed that concussion with the breath work. So you got to be careful. Um, but what I would do is, you know, 30 to 50 breaths, exhale, hold, and then I would inhale, hold. And on that inhale, hold, you squeeze your, your, your root chakra. And it's, it's a very subtle squeeze. Actually, you do not want to be like squeezing the fuck out of all your muscles, which is what I was doing. It felt like my head was going to pop off. I would get really high, but I was not doing it correctly. Um, you squeeze your root chakra, you squeeze sort of your sexual organs, your lower abdominals and your spine. And then you sort of like allow that to flow up and subtly squeeze each section of your back upwards, up into your neck, you subtly squeeze your neck a bit. And you wanna visualize shooting the cerebrospinal fluid, which is kind of essentially just water up against the pineal gland in the brain, which is where you can then release the endogenous DMT, God molecule, and experience absolute utter bliss. Um, have out-of-body experiences. You can get in tune with your intuition, I think, over consistent practice at a way higher level. I think that um, when you pair the release of endogenous DMT with an intention, heal my foot or, uh, you know, rewire my brain or, you know, there's, there's things depends on what you want to do. Um, lately it's been ex just acceptance for me, acceptance of my reality, which has been incredible. My reality has been working in my favor ever since I would say, <laughs> but that release has been known to release trauma, release emotional blockages. Um, I've had insane, profound epiphanies following, following that release. It's kind of a physiological reset for the body too. Um, you know, I don't know about the science of this. I haven't been on the bleeding edge of what the experts have been saying about this specific topic in a while. I've been trying to sift through what the experts have been saying about just the breathwork in general, just about Wim Hof, because now there's contradictory evidence showing, no, this process is happening, not this process. So anyways, that's a tangent. I've been trying to figure, figure it out. Ultimately, um, this, this DMT release is very powerful. You got to be careful. Don't be and you got to be careful just in general. I mean, I, I, I have found sort of the line where well, I know where I'm going to pass out. Um, but still, it's easy to go over that. And so, you know, you're, you're holding. yeah, so you, you do the 30 to 50 yeah. breaths, exhale, hold, and then you inhale, hold. And during that 15 second hold, sort of at the top is when you then go root chakra lower abdominals, lower spine, middle, upper neck, you 
kind of like where the back of your neck kind of reaches your skull. You want to feel like within that deeper, deeper than where your hand can go. But within that, you want to press that fluid up against it there. And that is going to, that's going to give you some, some butthole high sensations. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I think we covered like everything. This was awesome. Oh, no, no. There's actually one more thing I want to ask you about. Um, oh, yeah. So, look, with this bottle, I am like breathwork generally stuff. Uh, it works on our endocannabinoid system. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. You want to go into that a little bit? Because you, you made quite a. Um, I don't know if this isn't your claim, but maybe you just reiterated it that through this, one could uh, through this cold water uh, you can sort of get an influx of dopamine that is akin to a bump of cocaine or something right well the levels of dopamine the dopamine increase in the brain from from an ice bath um, is akin to taking cocaine. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's even more. And it also, and people talk about this ad nauseum online where um, your dopamine level rises to that above level, above baseline level akin to cocaine, but then it stays there for like four hours, six hours, slow, it plateaus, and then a slow decrease versus cocaine. It's like way up, way down. So there's that. The cold is huge and the cold is I'm a massive proponent of and I use the breath work with the cold. And quite frankly, I use the breath work to enhance most every modality I use, whether it's red light or it's the cold or it's a walk. When I'm walking, I'll exhale and hold and I'll pick a landmark in the distance and I won't breathe again until I reach that landmark. And you want to talk about like inciting the fight or flight CO2 response in the body, like you will be the whole body will be flush with lactic acid. You'll be like, holy crap, that's a crazy sensation. There's actually a very famous runner who won a ton of Olympic gold medals that would essentially train in that way in a state of hypoxia, it's called, where you don't have very much oxygen. You're training your body to deal under that circumstance. Yeah, they have altitude training, long-distance runners. Obviously, originally, they would go to Kenya and train sort of around... Mm. Um, around Mount Kilimanjaro, but there are now you can have hypoxia chambers. And they just they just train inside those chambers. So. Yeah, yeah. And then so that was a bit of a tangent. But the when I was injured, I couldn't really do shit. I mean, I was doing core on a mat for like forty five minutes a day, and but in the morning before I did that, I would I would do the breath work because it was kind of the only thing I could do. I don't know what the dopamine increase is, um, but I know that when you work out, your body's releasing endocannabinoids, which, are, you know, you get cannabinoids from cannabis, but uh, those are not made. Those are foreign to the body. 
endocannabinoids. People call it an endorphin high, which there's there's an aspect of of releasing hormones and hope molecules. They're called from the muscle tissue when you contract during exercise. But when you're breathing, you're contracting and expanding your diaphragm. So you're moving, you're moving muscles. It is a active recovery workout in a lot of ways. Um, and through, through these physiological changes, you're subjecting your body to, um, in a similar way that you would in a workout, super high levels of CO2 acidity akin to doing a bunch of deadlifts. And then also flushing your body with with uh, oxygen and and all that kind of stuff results in a massive increase in in endocannabinoids and a good feel good hope molecules and to me that was you know my anchor I could hang my hat on that every day when I could do nothing else it was like I just got like a workout in essentially because I just breathed really hard for thirty minutes that is a workout and over time. It gets easier to do too. I mean, I grew up cross country skiing, so breathing's easy for me. I think that's a problem with you know me trying to get people to do it. Is breathing's actually pretty hard for people. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's their muscles are not trained in that way, so it's a lot more effort, which is why you know it takes time and it takes consistency. And it's the same thing. It's the same. Do you, game. Do you suggest lying down? Because people, so, people find they can relax their diaphragm if they're lying on their back. Mm. That's a great question. I've found that when I'm really down bad and I'm really fucking hungover or I'm really sick or I have the stomach flu or whatever, I will do a good long session lying down and I find that to be much easier. Um, People have the problem of like falling asleep when they do that. I don't know the remedy for that. I think you just got to want it. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, and sometimes you're like, yeah, I am hungover and I'm trying to fall asleep. Or, yeah, I am sick and I'm just trying to fall asleep. Well, this will help you fall asleep because it takes your conscious mind offline and you can just, boom, fall asleep. But doing it lying down, you alkalize your blood quicker. You get more oxygen in and you're, rela- you're more relaxed. More of your muscles are relaxed. Um, you're very comfortable, which allows you to not have any disturbances like oh my if if i'm sitting i usually do it nowadays sitting up um sort of cross-legged in in a meditative posture i will do that because i think that what's lost when you're lying down is um this circular energetic pattern that is happening when you're breathing you're breathing up the spine breathe down the front and that can be lost it can be lost when you're just lying down you definitely feel it more when you're sitting up i also think that uh you're more like susceptible to feel like you're lying in a pool of energy when you're lying down when you're sitting up you got a lot of intention there you you you're you're physically in a place of power and intention. And I think that that's very powerful. Um, but I think that people, people should just do whatever is easiest for them. For me, when I was injured and I was down bad, I was not about to fucking sit up in a meditative posture for 30 minutes and breathe every day. Now, 
I, but but laying down, putting some nice tunes on in the morning and just banging it out. And I will say, like, this was a journey. And in the beginning of my journey, it was not 30 breaths in, exhale, hold for a minute and a half, inhale, hold for 15 seconds, do that six times. I was not that. It was a whole variety of every day was different. And that's what's cool about it. It is a journey. Sometimes you're you're feeling really tired. So I would just breathe straight for 30 minutes. I wouldn't exhale hold for shit. I wouldn't inhale hold for shit. Sometimes I'd do 20 breaths, inhale hold, 20 breaths, inhale hold for 30 minutes. There's so many different ways to do it. And and it's just an individual journey, uh, really. I just yeah do what feels right. Do what you like to do. Do what feels good. If it's laying down, if it's sitting up, I mean, I'll do it when I'm stretching too. I, I mean, yoga, yogis would probably scoff at me the way that I do yoga. It's like Wim Hofing, breathing really rapid and heavy and deep and quickly through my mouth and my nose at the same time while I'm in a stretch, in a downward dog, in an upward dog, in a stretching my hips out, in a cobra, in a this and a that. It's like not nasal breathing, not relaxed, not long sleep, deep and smooth. Um, but I've, but I've found that I've had, I've had major muscle releases from that, actually. Like, if I do a forward fold and breathe 30 breaths, I'll do that three times in the morning. That'll release my muscles way better than most any other stretching that I've found. And I'm tight. I'm like, that's my problem. That's my fucking Achilles heel. So I'm super tight. Um, and... So anyways, that's another one little caveat is, is uh, learn how to breathe through, whether it's lying down or whether it's sitting up, whether it's through the nose, whether it's through the mouth, whether it's through the nose and the mouth at the same time, you know, do what feels right. Yeah, I do. try that. <laughs> you get good at it. That's all I do, really. I, I do my Wim Hofs through the nose and the mouth at the same time. Yep, I run with breathing and walking and all, all activities, nose and mouth at the same time. Ideally, really just through the nose if I'm like running or cycling or, but uh, when things get intense, then it's nose and mouth at the same time. Never just one or the other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can incorporate humming too. Mm -hmm. Humming, mm, you know, that's, there's humming through the nose and the mouth. You can get into the frequencies and the vibrational side of things too and really increase those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, it opens up a whole world. I think that's so cool, so important. Like the main problem, as you pointed out earlier with people's concentrations and people's mental states, that a lot of it is derived from this learnt boredom. Because mm. there are these worlds that are closed to them because they don't know that they exist the world of the spirit of entertaining certain like spiritual concepts or the world of breath um, and like where that leads and you know every everything is connected to each other so breath and vibration can be connected you know so you can have sound and breath and movement and like you could even connect that to then thoughts and then you can connect that to looking at certain things and you can come up with your whole your own whole sort of ritualized like thing mm. then you're being creative i think you know the whole point of literally the whole point of being alive is to be creative and and um 
to be original, to try and be original, because it's one of those things. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. But you still have to try and do it. Yeah. Um, Highest vibrational frequencies are authenticity and love. So your own breath is a is a manifestation of your authentic self. Your the vibrations you exude when you're humming is an authentic vibration. It's extremely authentic. And I don't know shit about this stuff, really. I mean, I, I haven't had a teacher. I haven't, I don't know that much about frequencies. I, I know some about sacred geometry and all that kind of stuff and sound. But like, to me, um, I would rather just do it. I'm not going to spend my whole time reading books and listening and blah, blah, just do it. And it'll, and you'll be like, oh, that felt good. Or all oh, that. I didn't, I didn't really vibe with that. I don't really care. But like, that there's the sound and frequencies and the energetic things and and amplifying your energy your frequency your vibration your ability to you know send a signal telepathically to someone you don't even know it's enhanced you can do it now or you could do it in a way higher frequency that you induced upon yourself through breath work and and really get the message across if you're trying to get the if you're trying to get a job at a certain firm sending a message to the CEO while you're yeah. in the shower doing a fucking breath work <laughs> yeah. or, you know, whatever. There's a whole, yeah. it opens up a world. I think it's, I think it's so cool. Um, people often would have a really hard time because, you know, because it can't be quantified, therefore it can't be proven and therefore it's not real. And I just sort of mm. like, so I, I short circuit that whole thinking and I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if it's a complete illusion. Personally, I think most of reality is moored in illusion, and therefore that's why it works in the first place. Because yeah. the whole thing is moored in illusion, and therefore uh, you can you have the same power to do these things that well, you might think are retarded or stupid, um, and they're not at all. So yeah, if there's, yeah. If there's like a, an image of a girl in your mind that you want to attract towards you. And, you know, work out some sort of cool breath work and um, imagine it and just beam that out and then yeah. wait and see what happens. And one way I, I will say that I've done that exact thing and I do it when when you're on an exhale, you're also squeezing your root chakra. So you're like, you're, you're beaming this energy up through the top of your head. You're like a fucking antenna with your breath. You're at a higher frequency already. You're at a higher level of vibration and you're, you're physically sending energy up through the top of your fucking head with a message. That to me is cool. Of course you can't fucking prove it. But, you know, five years ago, you couldn't prove that Wim Hof pulverized cancer cells and you could have believed that it's bullshit and you could have not done it. Or you could have been like the thousands of people that did do it and believed in it and believed they were the placebo and healed their cancer. And then five years later, they're reading the study. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. so, yeah exactly. Um, you know, mooring this, this idea of belief into, into things. Like, um, in some respects, belief is the enemy of knowledge. But that's only if you're <laughs> believing things that aren't your own. Your belief, your beliefs are coming from your institutions or your schools or different areas, and you haven't filtered them through your own authenticity or whatever. Then it can be the enemy of knowledge, and then it can become your enemy. Then you're 
you're being controlled. But if you but you can consciously choose to believe anything and mm. you can do experiments in your own life to see how it works. And um, I like, yeah, I, I would promote everyone doing that because it's just, it's playful and it's about being a creator and like it's looking at life as a paradise rather than a prison. Yeah. Um, and like see how far we can send it. See how see how much energy you can get. See how tingly you can get. See how deep into a meditation you can go. I mean, there's there's real the the far ends of the spectrum can be pushed, and that's you know. So I mean, just it's it. I've I but also like it, it's a journey, and you're gonna trip up. You're gonna you're gonna mess up. I've had times where. I realized I was suffering from autonomic dysregulation after my concussion. Like I was always in fight or flight because I was always doing Wim Hof and I was always doing a sympathetic inducing breath work. And I was trying to heal myself so much through the breath work that my body's just in this perpetual state of freaking out. And so I was like, okay, hold on. I need to now go on to the other side of things where I'm doing a buteco breathing or physiological sigh or soma breath work. Um, and the most powerful thing that I've found through that, the biggest, and it's been amazing for me, is you know, you induce this sympathetic fight or flight, the Wim Hof, the you know, exaggerated breaths, inhales longer than exhales, breathing in the beginning. Then you flip the switch to parasympathetic, rest and digest exhales longer than it inhales, call it buteco breathing where you're breathing a tiny, tiny little circle, barely, barely breathing, reaching a, or, or a physiological sigh where you're, you know, we can get into that, but you go from sympathetic to parasympathetic. So you gather all your chi and all your life force energy and all the prana and induce the adrenaline response. And then you channel all that energy into a deep, deep meditation. And your these meditations go so deep, they've shown in studies that after Wim Hof, the, the, the brain waves and inexperienced Wim Hofers, call them Wim Hofers, whatever, are the same as like very experienced meditative practitioners after four hours of, of sitting in meditation. Their brain waves are the same. And they did it for 30 minutes, the Wim Hof. These meditative practitioners, they're super experienced, four hours. So if you do 15 minutes Wim Hof and you're good at it, and then you do 15 minutes of meditation consistently, these meditations are so deep that you're going to go into, to your point, the social programming that you've had your entire childhood from school and from propaganda and all the all the fucking beheadings you've seen on your phone and all the nonsense and all the bullshit that's ingrained into your subconscious, it all starts getting weeded out. Your body's very intelligent. Your mind's very intelligent. Your subconscious is way more intelligent than your conscious mind and way quicker and way better at doing most everything. If you give it that space, it's going to weed it all out. It's going to even you out. It's going to make it so that you hear some bad news on the phone too. Um, I no longer get physically stressed out. I do not have a physiological stress response. 
unless it's something really gnarly because I'm so trained that I'm able to sit with a lot of CO2 in my body for, you know, a minute and a half and have a calm mind that my level of stress response is way higher now. So then, you know, so my boss calls me with some bullshit news. I just deal with it mentally now. I'm just like, oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Okay, you got to figure that out. Yeah. Whatever. I'm no longer like, oh, fuck, oh, dang, I get tense and I stop breathing good and all the stuff. And you feel stress physiologically. But if if your baseline, if your tolerance level is way higher, dude, your world will change. You You can think evenly. And that's stoicism too. I mean, that's the ability to have emotions running through you and not have a knee-jerk reaction to them and not succumb to to it in a in a negative way. You you feel the emotion. Okay, it's there. Um what do we do? Like, let's just keep moving forward. And and like you amazing. said, that um to to be one of those people who are, who can control their emotions by their physiology just separates you from the rest of the pack to such an extent like people are so emotional um like i i've managed to you know really get a hold of my emotions but just just in a mental and, a, and an outlook sort of perspective way to the point where i don't i don't get emotional if i want to get emotional i'll do it on purpose as a kind of joke um but actually like these things don't really not really bothering me. I some there's this kind of thing which I've realized when I sort of delved into stoicism. I realized that actually like um it, it's worse to feel, at least for me in my life, it's worse to feel indifference than it is to 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 feel pain. Um mm. so sometimes I will think about certain things that that hurt me or I did wrong or whatever it was. That caused me grief, and I will just revisit that a little bit, just to just to remember and just to input like embrace it rather than ignoring it. Um, but I I I have now managed to be able to do it in a way where it doesn't hold or get hold of me, so I can like look at it, you know. But then right. it doesn't it doesn't return and and, um, and get hold of me, and that's like a it's been a powerful sort of thing that i managed to maintain um, that's amazing that's some skillful warrior poet shit right there i mean <laughs> that is that's really epic and i think a lot of people yearn for that um for that I kind of teacher thing, recently need, uh, sorry to, oh, you, go need, ahead. you go need ahead. something beyond you need a reason for living uh that is housed purely spiritually and i think that comes from in my life, it came from uh, an understanding. Like I had to, I had to really like, re- like look into everything and find out what what was, what were all the different truths that were proposed, and which of them resonates with me. And then realizing that none of them matter, um, and you know, and then my fear of uncertainty was just gone. Like it was just gone because I was just like, well, at the end. It's just me and God. And I'll just be like, hey, 
God, and he'll be like, hey, what have you, what, what have you got for me? And I'll be like, well, I got this, I got this, I got this. And he's like, all right, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what, what else? Ah, I, I, this? No, didn't like that. Ah, sorry, mate. Ah, it's all right. All right, well, um, see you inside, or whatever. You know, and um, yeah, and so, but that, I give it this very sort of joking metaphor, but it, it's, it's, it's rooted in a sort of an understanding that I, that I took me years to come to through reading and through, through stuff. Um, but I think like maybe there are shortcuts, maybe like, you know, you can do it mentally, but you also can do it physiologically, or you can do it with breathing, or you can do it with um, exercise or whatever, or you can do it with all of the above. And, and that's uh, a, like a, a goal in and of itself that people should sort of point towards and try and go towards. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you and think that that's really powerful what you just said. I think that it's missing in society. I mean, the modern man's struggle is having 300% above baseline dopamine levels at the palm of your finger with a phone and saying no. I'd rather choose boredom. I'd rather choose inner shadow work. I would rather choose running to a top of a fucking mountain and getting my knees and 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 just doing just that. No expectations. Just I'm gonna just go do that. There's there's things that are uh, you can you can get to places of understanding in very unconventional ways. For me, a lot of it's been breath work, but a lot of it has been exercise. A lot of it's been nature. I was never really brought up in a specifically religious home. And so it's been more assembling a framework for myself um, and really having conviction in my belief of God. Um, I still don't subscribe to any particular religion as a whole at the moment. I'm not closing any doors, of course, but it's a journey. And, and to me, uh, I'd like to find the core belief value hierarchy of myself um, and then start seeing what aligns with that, not being told by someone else, believe this, believe that, because that's a slippery slope. As we've seen, 2023 is rife with, with that and not in a good way. Dogma and fundamentalism in anything um, often leaves people unsatisfied because it's not, it's not their own. And so really like breath work, like trying these different things, playing around with it. That's kind of the name of the game with all of it. Just mm -hmm. take the heat off. Don't worry about it so much. Right. Okay. Be exploratory. Make it a journey. Make it fun. Be creative. Look for creativity. And it's, it's, it's fun because, I mean, I think that there's a huge debate going on right now. Not even a debate, but there's, there's these Huberman optimizer folks online and then there's more maybe where we're coming from uh more of a human spirit side of things and i think that in 2023 you should take all the information that huberman has to give and implement it where you see fit but you should never forget that your own inner power and you should remind yourself of that and you should give yourself that power too on a daily basis through you know exercising or doing breath work or going in the ice plunge or, you know, 
there's so many ways and people are vast. There's a little big spectrum. Not everyone's going to do breath work and it's not going to vibe with them. That's fine. But find something because, you know, the world needs you. Yeah. <laughs> and it needs you to be a, the, better, the best self of best version of yourself. And a lot of people are just succumbing to these dopamine hits and it's tough. Now, a lot of people can't concentrate. A lot of people can't stay consistent and disciplined. And it's like traditionalism is over. We're not having a traditional world again. It's not going to be scrolls by candlelight and fucking kings and queens and serfs. And it's, it's, that's over. But you can take some some facets of it from from the primal days, the traditional days, the and then 2023 amalgamate them all together and become a fucking weapon that no one's ever seen before. You never need to. And you don't need to. Mm -hmm. always, yeah. always moving forward. Always moving forward. But like you said, take the elements that were Lindy or that uh, survived the test of time and then reinterpret them and reintegrate them into, into what suits like now. And uh, mm. yeah, become a weapon. I think that's like the main thing. Like, and, you know, although yeah. there seems to be, it's, everything seems to be so bleak uh, for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, on the other end of the coin, it's literally like, uh, now there's never been a greater opportunity, even. Yes. Yeah, so just, you know, that's, uh, it's a paradise or a prison, and it's everyone's choice. Yeah, and there's a massive war being waged between light and dark, and there always has been. Um, things are never as good or as bad as you think they are. And in this day and age, you got to just be an independent thinker and you got to have conviction in yourself. You got to have a core foundation of who the fuck you are and what the fuck you're about and what you're planning on doing and having a mission. And, you know, being a conduit, a fearless conduit of God's love and power and strength and going out into the world and just fighting waging war against whatever you want to call it satan dark forces dark magicians the matrix whatever the fuck you want to call it i mean yeah go be a soldier of god and and you know the soldier of god is not jerking off to porn and watching instagram reels all day long soldier of god is figuring out ways to be the best version of themselves every single day through breathwork or through you know reading a lot or there's you know you know you they i'm sure your listeners know the answers they know the one thing they got to cut out and they know the one thing that probably they yeah. vibe with the most that can pull move the needle for them the most yeah and, and just and just do thing, too that thing is always the first thing they think about often mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. you know what do you think he did wrong Often the first thing, the first thing is the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so people don't need to overthink it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do need to not watch war and they do need to not waste their time. Um, and, you know, we do need to wage war against, against like senescence and the devil or whatever you want to, want to call it. But then also, yeah. you know, you, you can't wage war from a losing position in terms of like mentally. If you think like, mm. you know, it, it's, it's now or never and, and it's, it's likely we're going to fail, then yeah, maybe you are going to fail. But if it's mm. like, okay, well, we seem to be waging war, but maybe God created this war in the first place for a reason. And then, you know, okay, 
Maybe that just takes the heat off a bit. But I do have to wage the war. At least that's okay. the test. Um, but to think like the world's going to end, and, and, uh, you know, right. it doesn't really. That's just defeatist. That's yeah. just victim mindset. That's just, I'm going to let life happen to you. I mean, to what you were saying with the Soul Bra podcast, too, it's like become the best version of yourself until your destiny is revealed to you and then double down and go for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm no saint. I'm sure you're not a saint either. And, and we've grown up. <laughs> we've grown up where really we've been attacked. I mean, in a way that is unlike any other attack on on young young men, yeah. let's say, but young women too, of course. And you can be like, oh, well, you know, I, I have younger cousins that are in, in school. And everyone in the school is just like, why the fuck even try? The world's going to end. You guys fucked it up for us. And I don't give a shit about school. I don't care about my grades. I'm not. I'm just going to enjoy this because I'm probably not going to make it to 21. Which is sad. Yeah. But that's the mentality. It's a ruse. AOC mm-hmm. says, like, the world's going to end in 12 years. Um, all right. Well, even if that's true, I'm still going to fucking destroy these 12 years. Yeah, exactly. Great. No, I love that. Yeah. I don't care. Because it's like, <laughs> what's happening now? Yeah. Wow, amazing. This was an awesome conversation, bro. You, you laid down some serious information and, and knowledge and, um, and wisdom as well. Uh, thank you thanks i you as well i've learned a lot and it's been an absolute pleasure i'm happy to get on and i hope that i hope that people can take uh, at least a few little tidbits of of insights from my experience and apply it to their own lives and make themselves better and then and then do something with that weaponized state that they put themselves in so um have you got anything you want to Like, are you, doing, I, are you doing anything, are you setting anything up that's going to be available for people? Just At the moment, checking. right now, I'm just, like, getting my message out and speaking my truth. And, I mean, I've, I've, got, some, uh, I've got some links for, for products that I endorse. But, really, if you wanted to support me, you could just follow me at Based Ethos on Twitter or Based Ethos on Instagram. And those are my two. I don't, I don't really have an offering. I just... This was, I have a full-time job. I'm, I'm working on disrupting oil and gas and, and cleaning up the oil and gas industry with this company I'm working with. And, and to me, that's, that's sort of my main focal mission in life. But this is, this is on the side too. So I'm David and Goliath against the oil industry at the moment. But this Twitter would be, you know, if, if you guys want to follow at Based Ethos, then that means a lot. And I put out uh, schizo content, value-driven content, and uh, everything in between. So expect the unexpected. <laughs> nice one, bro. Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. All right.